May it please Almighty God to bless us together this evening as we meditate in his holy word. Let us turn to the epistle of Paul to the Romans and the 8th chapter and we'll read the last two verses. Verses 38 and verses 39 in the 8th chapter of Paul's epistle to the Romans. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We should be very thankful that the Word of God contains such wonderful truths, some wonderful positive statements uh, to encourage us as we travel through this world. And we must realise that we have a great adversary, the devil, who endeavours to separate us from the truth of God separate us from the word of God and how we need to continue to be on our watch to realise how keen he is and active he is to bring these things before us and yet we have a wonderful truths in this chapter the 8th chapter of Romans that we read together tonight and uh, in verse 35 we read who shall separate us from the love of Christ and the apostle lists shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword well he gives us that list and then he says as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter then he says nay or no in all these things all these things which Satan uses to try and separate us in all these things we the true believers are more than conquerors through him that loved us so the apostle is confident of that which God has spoken and in his case done very clearly in his life and that's why he's able to come then and conclude with this wonderful statement for I am persuaded well it's a great blessing for you and me tonight if we are persuaded like the apostle was you see there are many things to tempt us and turn us away from the things of God but what a blessing when the Holy Spirit enters into our hearts so that we are by that spirit persuaded and what are we persuaded? A whole list. As the Apostle says that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, and principalities really means civil magistrates, nor civil magistrates, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God 
which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you may say, well, why is that? Because God's love never changes. Once he loves, once he has loved, he always loves. How humbling that is to think of that. So you look at your life and look at my life and we see how often we fail in so many ways and yet we have a very glorious and a very faithful God. All oh, my friends, never underestimate the wonderful favour and the wonderful blessing and privilege this is. You know, when the um, uh, God's prophet Jeremiah wrote his Lamentations, he, he speaks of this wonderful point and wonderful favour and how good it is to realise he, he tells us he says um, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness and so he's over to go on and say the Lord is my portion great is thy faithfulness oh, what a mercy if that is so the Lord is my portion saith my soul therefore would I hope in him well tonight are you and I hoping in the Lord is our trust in the Lord and are we persuaded of the great truths of God's word as they speak to us speak to our hearts and uh, we're confirmed that the Lord is our God he is our master he is our Lord and he is our saviour oh what a blessing then if the Holy Spirit enters into our hearts and we have the evidence therefore that we are amongst those who are born again of the Spirit of God you see all those who are born again have passed as we spoke this morning from darkness to light and are partakers of that great favour of God's love towards them and it is again as Jeremiah says an everlasting love an everlasting love and God's love is the same our, law, our love fluctuates, doesn't it? Sometimes it's lively and sometimes hot, and sometimes almost dead and cold. But Jesus is the same. And his love does not vary. If he's loved us once, he's always loved. And to think that he loved us back in eternity, before creation it's very hard isn't it for our minds to recognize and contemplate such an amazing favor in uh, in the eternity past the lord set his love upon individuals and to think of the great mercy and the wonderful love of god to such an unworthy sinner. Well, do you sometimes ponder these things? It's good if we do.
And if we think along the lines of the hymn writer who said, what was there in me to merit esteem or give my creator delight? Well, if we're honest, naturally there's nothing. But it's because Almighty God has set his love upon us. And because he set his love upon us, he will never remove it because the Lord does not change his mind. If he did, my friends, you and I wouldn't have any hope. But we have a God who describes himself as immutable, doesn't change. What a mercy that is and what a blessing it is. And in the uh, epistle to Paul to the Hebrews, we're told about this immutability. And this is what the apostle says, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And you might ask, what are the two immutable things? The two immutable things are really the counsel of God and his oath. And those things were ordained before time in that council with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That was agreed upon and it will not and cannot be changed because if it was possible to be changed then God wouldn't be what he said he is. So tonight may we rest indeed with the humble assurance uh, that the Lord God omnipotent reigns and as he said I am the Lord I change not and therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. However the great and important question for each of us tonight is to know whether whether we do know this love of God. And it's not something that you and I can just dream about and, and dream up or merit or work for and, and find ourselves worthy of it. No, it's that which God shows to us and gives to us and places upon us his wonderful wonderful love love is a very glorious thing and especially when we think that here we have the creator of the universe who tells us that he's loved us with an everlasting love and because of that great truth which cannot change we can understand perhaps a little why the apostle comes to this great conclusion at the end of this chapter and says, for I am persuaded. And he tells us that after having spoken and said we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're not conquerors because of our own ability. We're not conquerors because we've been able to resist the devil. We're not conquerors because we walked in a right way. We're conquerors through him. Now you see, because we're conquerors through him, then surely we can be really thankful that we have such a great and glorious saviour who has condescended to come into this sinful world 
to redeem our souls. Now the apostle was very familiar with God's grace. As he tells us, it is by, through, by grace we are saved. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And because of that, he's able to come and then say, for I am persuaded. My friends, sometimes we turn away from a, a clause like this, being persuaded. What a blessing it is, we don't persuade ourselves, but it's when God persuades us. And God persuades us when he shows forth to us what he's done for us and how he's loved us. He loved us so much because he was willing to go to Calvary to pay the price for our sin so that we might be clean and that by his grace then one day be with him forever and ever. Ponder that to think that God so loved us that he died for us so that we might be with him throughout eternity. An utterly unworthy, hell-deserving sinner. We have to say, saved by grace. Saved by grace. And to be then persuaded, like the apostle, we want to be persuaded. We want to have the wonderful evidence in our own hearts that what the apostle has said for himself, we by his grace, the grace of God, are also able to say and confirm that we are persuaded. We don't want to wander on in this world unconcerned and not persuaded. Many people today are just content to ramble on in their religion and just hope, hope that somehow at the end things will work out. Well, the Apostle tells us, I know whom I have believed. And he tells us that because he knew it by the grace of God. He had the evidence of it in his own heart that the glorious Saviour had revealed himself to the Apostle as his Saviour. He had no hope in himself. He was dead in trespasses and in sins. But the appointed time rolled on apace, not to propose, but call by grace. The hymn writer has it right, but when he penned those lines, it isn't just a a proposition. You see, when the Lord calls us, we hear his voice. What does it do? It produces a change in our life. So my friends, this evening, let's just pause for a moment and let's just look into our spiritual life and just search there to see whether we have a time when God, because of his great and infinite love toward us, called us. He called us. We may have been in 
very strange places. We may have been in far off places, naturally and spiritually. We may have been in very wrong places. We may have been in very evil places. But nonetheless, my friends, how necessary it is to be able to trace out in our spiritual life the wonderful evidence of God's call. Call. And that call produces life. It means that our ears, which had been stopped up and did not hear the glorious gospel, by the grace of God, our ears were unstopped and the truth of God entered in. Entered in. We were a new creature. We were a changed person. Well, I wonder whether you understand what I'm saying because it is true old things have passed away all things become new it's a different world we see things differently we view things differently we pray differently yes there's a wonderful change a wonderful blessing you see because the Lord graciously does these things that's why we're able to understand what the Apostle says, for I am persuaded. God gloriously persuades us. We don't persuade ourselves. God comes and persuades us. God speaks to our heart. He brings us into contact with truths in God's Word, perhaps in His written words for the preaching of the Gospel. And we find there are those things which are suddenly an encouragement to us and we suddenly understand and we suddenly realize i do know what the man's speaking about i do know what the bible is explaining to me and we're able to confirm whereas i was blind now i see and it's through the wonderful and glorious grace of God. Oh, what a mercy, my friends, this evening, if you and I come into that category. We do need to. We do need to. See, these, the eighth chapter of the Romans is, is pretty well known, and probably most of us have read it a few times and are familiar with at least some of the phrases. But what we all need is the blessed and wonderful application of God's word to our heart. You see, you and I can learn the whole word of God in our head and never do us any real spiritual good but when the Holy Spirit applies his word to our hearts then you see there is that new nature there is that change and it's then that we can understand what the apostle directs us to here for I am persuaded persuaded well again let's ask ourselves the question by the grace of God are we tonight persuaded of these truths that the apostles able to lay down and he goes on with this list and he says I'm persuaded that neither none of these things none of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord Nothing can separate us. It's wonderful. Remember, 
The devil's aim is to separate. But he will never be able to separate his people from Almighty God, from his love, once in him, in him forever. Because there is that covenant ordered in all things and sure which can never fail. What a mercy it is. A covenant is a sworn conditional promise. And that condition indeed was fulfilled by the great and glorious Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he did his Father's will and at a tremendous cost in order to redeem our souls. You and I have heard about Calvary. We've heard about the cross. We've heard about the crucifixion. But my friends, have we had the evidence that it was done for us? That we can say, Christ died to redeem my soul. Christ died that by his grace, one day I, unworthy sinner, should be with him in glory. Oh, my friends, the hymn writer has it right when he says, On such love my soul still ponder, love so great, so rich, so free. Say, whilst lost in holy wonder, why, O oh God, such love to me? And then he concludes by saying, Hallelujah, grace shall reign eternally. It's a wonderful truth in that hymn 766. You can read it at your leisure and to realise what a wonderful blessing it is to be a partaker of that love and therefore to be persuaded in our souls to realise that we are not relying on what we've done but we're relying upon what Christ has done he's fulfilled the law and made it honourable and therefore says the apostle standing on that rock the blessed saviour tells us I, I am persuaded he is, that neither death nor life, neither of those things will be able to separate him from the love of God. Because while he lives, he will be a partaker of that love. And when he dies, he will go to be with Christ eternally and be found then safe in the arms of Jesus. Oh, the Apostle gives this list for our encouragement and the strengthening of our faith because it is a very embracing and comprehensive uh, final two verses to this chapter. Persuaded that neither death nor life, and then he says nor angels, we mustn't be confused here, of course this is evil angels, wicked angels, the devil's angels, and not of course uh, God's angels. What a mercy it is to think that though, although they are active all around us trying to cause us to turn away from God, they won't be able to separate us because these things are ordered in all things and sure. The word of God is certain. The word of God cannot be changed. God's promises cannot be altered. 
So we should be able tonight to rejoice in these great things. As you and I wander on through life and all the many, many temptations and perhaps we find ourselves sometimes crying out, can ever God dwell here in such a heart as mine? Well, it's good when we're tempted like that to be able to recognise this great and wonderful truth that nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he said, not angels, nor principalities, and as I've said, civil magistrates, and we find ourselves in a day and age in uh, which people are being arrested for speaking the truth. People are being arrested, arrested even for praying in their minds. But you see, the great truth is that as the apostasy persuaded, that even that totally unjust an unfair situation will not separate from the love of Christ. And surely these considerations should be a strength and a comfort to us in the day and age in which we live. Life doesn't get any easier. We're not promised it will. But we are promised that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And we do know uh, that the promises of God are true and certain, they are yea and amen, and they cannot and will not be changed. And so here we have this statement, nor principalities, nor powers, whatever powers may be erected in, in an endeavour uh, to make us recant, indeed like it was in the days of the Reformation, with many godly men and women lost their lives, because of their unwillingness to recant, to deny the name of the Saviour. It didn't count their life dear. That's a great test, isn't it? If you and I were faced with death tomorrow, unless we denied the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not an easy thing to stand, but you see, the Lord says, nor powers, whatever powers that may be given to mankind, it cannot separate us from the love of God. It is, as I spoke this morning, it is immutable. It cannot be changed. What a wonderful blessing that is to know that it is so true. As this, we commented this morning, it's worth saying again, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. A refuge for sinners. The gospel makes known it is found in the merits of Jesus alone. Well, what a mercy if you and I have found the Saviour to be a refuge. In our time of need, when the devil's risen up and tried to separate us and tried perhaps to get us to deny what God is doing and brings us into situations uh, and says, well, if you were a Christian, of course, you wouldn't walk this path. You wouldn't have a, a scene like this. You wouldn't have a difficulty like this. Well, we can tell the devil that the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, 
It is through much tribulation that we shall inherit the kingdom. But he says, be of good joy, I have overcome the world. And surely that fits in so well with this previous verse, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So my friends, let us not have any confidence in ourselves. Let us have confidence in our great and glorious and victorious Saviour. Let's not forget that. He was the victor. Yes, he wasn't conquered. No, the devil did all he could. And no doubt he thought when Christ died, when he gave up the ghost, when he said it was finished, that he'd gained the victory. He didn't realise it was all part of the glorious plan of Almighty God. Then on the third day he should rise again. Yes, what a blessing that is for us. Death could not hold him. Night could not hold him. And he rose again, that wonderful conqueror. And now he's in glory to intercede for us. And one day, by his grace, he will come and receive us unto himself. That where he is there, we shall be also eternally. I hope it's a wonderful and encouraging prospect to each one of us. I hope it's not a morbid one. I hope it's not one that we think, well, I don't want to think about, about my death. I don't want to consider that. In actual fact, of course, the day of one's death to a believer is, of course, the most <coughs> glorious day in their life because they are freed eternally from sin and from all the temptations of the evil one. Well then, says Paul, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present whatever that may be that presents itself and as I've hinted there's many today of evil things things present nor things to come there may be worse things to come that we may have to witness and we may have to stand firm for don't ever think that your life and my life is going to be an easy life on this earth. We're not promised it. We are promised a good end. We are promised eternal life, but we're not promised a comfortable life on this earth. And if we have a comfortable life on this earth, we ought to examine ourselves to see whether we are a true believer or not, because the devil leaves alone those who are not his. He doesn't, he doesn't tempt them. He doesn't try them, they have a nice smooth path. So it's a good test to look into our hearts to see if we are amongst those who are facing difficulties and oppositions because of our faith in the Saviour. And so he says, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. It seems as though he's trying to encompass as much as he can uh, to persuade us that by the grace of God none of these things however great they are will be able to separate him and he says shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord well tonight what a wonderful blessing it is if we know something of this love of God love of Christ to us and to realise the cost of our salvation. We need to go back to just examine what that really means. 
the cost of our salvation. You know, we can read about it, can't we? I wonder if it's really touched our hearts. We really understand what was involved. Well, the Apostle John, in his first epistle, speaks about it for our encouragement. He tells us, Hereby, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life for unworthy sinners. And let's never think you and I are worthy. We're utterly unworthy. And yet this gracious, glorious God, nonetheless, he laid down his life for us. And the Apostle goes on to say, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know, it's a tremendous consideration, isn't it? It's a great cost, isn't it? To give up our life. Well, that's what the Apostle says. But whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? We do want to demonstrate that we do possess the love of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ did indeed die upon Calvary's cross and that cost for our salvation was his life. Well, what's Christianity cost us today? Perhaps we say, well, nothing really. I've just carried on and um, been pleased to do what I want to do. Well, true Christians find that true Christianity is not easy. No, it's a path which is uh, dogged with difficult situations and opposition and uh, temptations. You see, the devil's aim is to make us sin. The devil's aim is to make us to give up religion. And sometimes the devil brings that about uh, by saying, well, there you are, you prayed and God hasn't answered that prayer. You see, there's no God really. And in any event, if there is, he's not hearing and answering your prayers. So you may as well give up and stop praying. Well, you see, that's what the devil tries to do. And he worries us. And he nags at us that we don't possess the faith of God. We don't possess the life of God. And there we are, wandering on aimlessly through life and at last will perish in our sins or perhaps he convinces us as he's convinced so many there is no hell no we should just be annihilated and just disappear well that's one of the devil's greatest ploys but my friends the word of God is very clear and we have so many evidences that the word of God is true and that there is life after death without any any reason to doubt it and you may say well how do you know that well I know it because of this and there aren't very many occasions but there are occasions when people who have passed out of time testify very clearly that their eyes are set upon the country they are going to it's as though the Lord grants them a vision of heavenly things and they're looking forward 
and then looking upward. And that's a wonderful blessing and a wonderful mercy. And it's a confirmation to believers uh, that what they have believed in has come to pass. And it is true, and I've seen it myself on occasions. I say fairly rare, but it's good to actually uh, witness uh, what we might term the glorious entry into heaven by the saints. The Lord takes them and he gives them a view. We have the pictures of it <coughs> in the word of God in particular. We have God's servant Stephen who when he was being stoned and he prayed for those that accused him and stoned him. Father forgive them, they know not what they do. And then he said, I see Jesus, the Son of Man, standing at the right hand of God to receive me. What a wonderful blessing that was. And there we have, therefore, a clear view and a clear truth that these things are to be looked forward to. We don't just disappear. We're not just annihilated. It's one of the great ploys the devil uses in the day and age in which we live. And it's good, therefore, to have words like we have here the scene before us, so positive, as the Apostle says, for I am persuaded. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? If you and I are truly persuaded, and the last bit is, none of these things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is, of course, the love of the Father. God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten Son into the world, Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. We see there the wonderful love of the Father. We see the wonderful love of the Son in willingly obeying his Father, willingly doing his Father's will, looking steadfastly to Jerusalem, not backing away, but willing to serve his Father. We see the glorious work of the Holy Spirit in so many souls recorded in the word of God and we see therefore the united love of the Trinity to unworthy sinners and here we can tonight truly rejoice then in what God has done and when we we can read in the Thessalonians these wonderful words and the, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ direct your hearts into the love of God my friends if tonight you should say, well, I don't know if I know anything of the love of God. Well, my friends, pray for it. That God will direct your hearts into that love because it's the greatest blessing. And every true believer is favoured to know something of God's great love to them as such unworthy sinners. And we are unworthy sinners. And it's wonderful when the Lord brings us to that position uh, to confess the position. And we come back then and we can read us that very first verse in this chapter how wonderful it is. There is therefore now no condemnation to who? To them which are in Christ Jesus. Born again in the Spirit, converted and uh, made sons and daughters of the Most High God. Now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
Well, it will be a, a great blessing there for us. We read together in this uh, chapter tonight to be spiritually minded. By nature, we are carnally minded. That means we go after the things of the flesh. We go after the things of this world. They occupy our lives. They occupy our thoughts. When we're sitting in chapel, we're carnally minded, left to ourselves. What a blessing, though, to be spiritually minded. Spiritually minded, because spiritually minded is life and peace. And that's the peace of God, which passes all understanding, because we have then the evidence that our souls are right with God. My friends, we don't want to come down to the end of our life and find that we're an enemy with God, that we walk contrary to him all our life. We've ignored his word and we're an enemy. Oh, friends, be concerned that you and I might in truly be found a friend of God and a follower of our great and glorious Saviour and one who knows something, may not be very much, but something of the love of Christ which passes knowledge. It's outside of this world because it's love to such unworthy people, people that don't deserve it. If you think you deserve the love of Christ, you're wrong. None of us deserve it. As the Apostle says, by grace we are saved. The unmerited favour of God. Through faith, God-given faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Well, we can praise God for it. Well, tonight, my friends, I hope you enjoyed reading this eighth chapter tonight in Romans. And as it concluded, to realise the wonderful truth, and I'll just read the last few verses to conclude. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The question. And then the points. Shall tribulation or distress, distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or perilous sword as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, nay, in all these things. All these things. We are more than conquerors through him. That's the secret that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord.